It's summertime, and we're in our summer series here at Milestone Church. In our summer series, we'll hear from some of our staff pastors, as well as some honored guest speakers. If you're listening to Milestone Church for the first time, we want to encourage you to check out some of the best series so far this year. If you find yourself with extra time, maybe traveling for summer vacation, we highly recommend checking out our series called Happy. Happy is a three-week series we hosted in March talking about this idea of happiness, why it's so elusive, and what the Bible says about it. We'd also like to recommend checking out one of our most talked about series every year, Let's Talk Family. In this series, Pastor Jeff talks about what's often our greatest joy, but can also be our greatest source of pain, and that's family. We look at the practical ways that we can lead our families based on biblical principles. You can watch these series more at our website, milestonechurch.com slash messages. And now to this week's message. How's everybody doing here? How about over here on this side? You doing all right? Let's welcome the McKinney campus and those at the 1230 service. We welcome you. Come on, help me out. It's so glad to have you here. Turn to the person next to you and say, I heard you singing and it was horrible. Come on, tell them that. <laughs> yes, it was. Listen, it, this church, something about this church. Uh, I live in Arkansas. If it wasn't so far away, I might commute here to be a part of it. Uh, the hand of God is on this church. I came here to tell you, please don't mess it up, right? And uh, the Bible says the early church, the Bible says that God's hand was with them and many came to believe. A lot of people are meeting Christ in this church. And I wanna tell you, that's a value of this church. You will never understand the vision of this church until you bring someone here who is broken down, someone who is frustrated in their faith, maybe have never known the Lord, maybe they hate Christianity, but they really don't know how good Jesus is, bring them here. And at some point, if you do, you'll realize, wow, I understand the mission of this church. Because a lot of people who are going to be leading here, who will be pastors on staff here one day, will actually be people that you bring here. And they're going to meet Christ here, get discipled here, and lead here like the leaders. In fact, the integrity of this church, the reason why I like Jeff so much is because he's a pastor. If you're going to be in a conversation with Pastor Jeff or any of the staff, I've picked up on this, they're going to talk about the people of the church. How can we build deeper relationships? How can we get to know them? If you haven't gotten involved in the relational side of this church, uh, you can exist here for years and never get involved in the relational side of this church, and no one's going to send you hate mail. No one's going to rebuke you, but I just want to tell you, this church will never be as strong as it could be because the vision of this church is to have you involved. Can everybody say amen? amen. So give it a chance. The reason why you may not give a church a chance is maybe you've had some hits along the way. The fact is, everybody in this room uh, has sinned before. There's no, no one here that doesn't have an issue. Uh, if you don't think you have an issue, that is your issue. <laughs> no one is perfect. If you think you're perfect, no one likes to be around you. We don't even like sitting by you right now. Uh, I'll prove to you how everyone has issues. How many of you in this room, you have lied before in your life? Look at the liars that attend here. And if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying now. Uh, how many of you procrastinate too much? The real procrastinators that raise their hand later in the service. 
We, we, we all, listen, the church I grew up in was not life-giving like this church. I, I was thinking during the, the first service on, on Saturday, uh, I was thinking about, man, if I, if I grew up in a church like this, I, I would have grown as a student when I, when I was young. I didn't grow up in a church anywhere close to this. The church I grew up in was very legalistic. Uh, they were mean-spirited. It was like a prerequisite to go to that church. You had to hate people. That was... That was it. The meanest person in that church was my Sunday school teacher. I've talked about her all over the world. Uh, she had a finger that was 30 foot long, and, uh, and she would talk about how hot hell was. Hell is hot. She talked about hell like she was born and raised in hell. And one day she looked at me. She said, don't you want to go to heaven? I said, not if you're going to be there. So she didn't like me. And it's funny now. But I tell you, it's not that funny when you're eight years old and you think God hates you and doesn't want you around. And in fact, it leads me uh, to the topic of today. I wanna talk to you about a prison of lies. The lies we think. If I were to survey you, uh, I'm a pastor too, you know. I'm from Louisiana, I'm a Cajun, which means if it lives in a ditch, I will eat it. Give me Tony's and I know it'll taste good, right? And then I moved to Arkansas, so I went from one accent to a different, in, in Arkansas, they speak banjo. They really do, hey, now, and now, 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 okay? But, what am I talking about? I don't even remember, McKinney, help me out, I don't know. But I, I, I know that when I, when I moved to Arkansas, I, uh, I don't know, I, I had these fears that, that started hitting me uh, about the vision that God had given me. And, and since I, I've been in ministry for 31 years, I, I've noticed that a, a lot of people, the Lord has big plans for them, but they're, they're not growing. So you may say, well, I've been a Christian for 20 years, I have 20 years experience, but it's like you have one year experience 20 times. So you're just in the same cycle. So you're going to heaven, but you're not enjoying the trip. It's like you live in a prison of lies. Like the Lord wants to use you and move in you, but you're loaded with fears. One time Jesus told the disciples, see it and look at the prison of lies. He said, his brothers, uh, get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side. They got in the boat. They were going to the other side and then a storm hit. Pastor Jeff nailed it in a series this year on storms. If you have a chance to listen to it, listen to it. Because you're either in a storm now or you just came out of one or you're about to go through one. He teaches you exactly what to do. The brother can teach the word. Can somebody say amen? But these guys were in the storm and they, they knew a lot about storms. I find that where you're most anointed is where you're most afraid. So here they are in the storm and they were so upset, they, they started thinking, we're going to die, we're going to die. Well, Jesus was in the boat with them. But they didn't see the truth, they saw the lies. They were in a prison of lies. So they looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, wake up. One of them woke Jesus up and then said this, literally said this to the Lord. If you live in a prison long enough, this is what you will say. Jesus, we're going to die, here's the key. Don't you care? If you live in a prison a long time, you'll just think, well, the Lord doesn't even care that I'm trapped over here. 
He doesn't even care. It's the same thing that happened to Martha and Mary. Uh, Jesus was over at their house. There's a lot of pressure to have Jesus in your home. But Mary's sitting at his feet going like, what's up? It's amazing. Jesus is in here. But Martha was freaking out, worried and upset about all the things that had to be done. She went in and she basically threw her sister under the bus. Jesus, I got so much to do. My sister's not helping me. Don't you care? Some people have lived in a place that is related to a prison of lies, the lies that we think for so long that you've forgotten how much he does care and how amazing he is. And one moment in the presence of God can change the way that you think forever. My son, Hunter, he's now 28 years old, uh, but my wife is like a health nut. She eats too healthy for, for my taste. And, uh, but she, she's this amazing lady. I, w- I wish you could meet her. But she always eats things that, uh, I don't know, it's just always say, babe, you're still gonna die. Only difference is you're gonna die with a nasty taste in your mouth. But I'm gonna die happy with cheeseburgers. So we go through that. But my son Hunter, she was reading a book at the time that kids you know, shouldn't have sugar and and so she decided that for the first year of his life, he wasn't going to have anything sweet. And I was like, that's torture. And DHS is going to come and arrest us. And she goes, no, because if he's never had it, he won't miss it. So for a whole year, this is what we did. No, no candy. No chocolate. Nothing. It's like a prison of lies. No, I'm kidding. So, so anyway, so anyway <laughs> it was his first birthday. And uh, so we we're going to give him his first piece of chocolate. And so I said, hey, everybody, uh, thanks for being here. Uh, my son, Hunter, you probably don't know this part, but my son, Hunter's never had any candy or any chocolate. So get your cameras ready, because when he tastes it, it's going to freak him out. And so bring out the cake. And my dad said, it's not going to be his first time. <laughs> I was like, I said, yeah, it is, Dad. I, he's my son. My, my wife made us do that. And he goes, no, I've given him chocolate many times. (laughs) But you do want to record it because his face will light up. It's the coolest thing in the world to see. (laughs) So it was like, how did I not know this? How did I not see this coming? It's like after you have the revelation from the Lord, it's like, how did I not see that earlier? But the beautiful thing is his love and his grace and his revelation are retroactive. It's like when you give your heart to the Lord, he forgives you there. But it's like, wow, I see how he's loved me for a long time. I'm so glad I've given allegiance to him. So here's the problem theologically. When you give your heart to the Lord, he gives you a new heart. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, Jesus talked about this in the middle of the night in John chapter three with Nicodemus. And so he, he does give you a new heart. That's the good news. The Bible says he takes out your old stony heart. He gives you a new heart that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Like the Bible even says all of heaven goes crazy when you give your heart to the Lord. That's your spirit. But your mind is exactly the same after you give your heart to the Lord. So we still think according to the pattern of the world, we'll read that verse later, instead of the way the Lord would want us to think. 
So, so the reason why I, th I think this is huge for you to know is because you can renew your mind, but it's through the teaching. So on the weekends, you always get like a seven course meal here, but it's not enough because the next day uh, you're hungry again. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, give us this day our daily bread. So you, you need to be fed every day. And through the washing, the Bible says, through the washing of the water of the word, all of a sudden you see truth more than the lies. And that's when you're no longer living around the lies. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 says, for though we live in the world, I mean, we're in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. And on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. That word, the best definition for the word strongholds is prison of lies. It's like the way that you think really matters. It says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That word stronghold, prison of lies. It's akarama is the Greek word. Well, you are going to stay in the prison longer than you had to if you don't understand how much he loves to see people set free. In, in the book of Galatians, he, he literally uh, said, the reason why I've set people free is because I just want them free. Like he loves looking at someone who used to not be free and who now is free. But if you don't understand how much he loves you, how great he is at forgiving people, how much grace he has, then you'll just stay over in the prison of lies instead of living free. An example of this. When I moved to Arkansas, uh, the Lord told me to plant a church and, uh, and I, I went. But after I got there, I started having these lies I didn't have anyone to tell. I didn't know what to do. And uh, here, here's what the lies. You're gonna fail. This is not gonna work. People are gonna hate it here. You're gonna stink as a senior pastor. So I just started worrying about it. But I knew during the difficult times of my life, to, uh, privy to that, that my grandmother, who's the strongest Christian I had ever known, that she would pray over me during those seasons and then I would, I would, I would sense that I was free. Like I I would, the Lord would help me. The problem is, I needed my grandmother to pray for me, but the problem was, is my grandmother was down to 80 pounds. She was dying with cancer. And so she lived six hours away, and I wanted someone to pick her up and bring her to our first service, because I thought if she could pray for me, that I would be okay. So I called her on the phone, and the way she talks, she's a Cajun lady. She couldn't speak English until she was around 15 years old. So the way she would talk, she'd say, oh, Sha, how you doing, Shabu? That's what she would say. She would answer the phone, Jesus loves you. She would win more people to the Lord. Just walking through Walmart, she'd win people to Christ. She just was led by the Lord, man. It's amazing. So I called her. I said, Mama, she goes, how you doing, Sha? I said, Mama, I need you to come here to the first service. If you don't mind, I know you're sick, but could you come? I'll have somebody pick you up. Please come to the first service and pray over me. And she said, oh, Rick, I would love to, but I don't feel I haven't left the house in months. I cannot come. So I didn't want her to feel bad, so I said, that's okay, Mama, you can pray for there. Oh, Rick, I'll pray for me. I'll do it. I hung up the phone. That was 30 days before our first service. First service was starting 10 minutes before. 
There was a knock on the door. I said, come in. And it was my frail 80 pound grandmother. And she said, oh, Rick, I just had to come. She could hardly move. I have pictures of her praying over me. It was like the Lord set me free. It was like I realized that it was all lies. But what really got me is the fact that she came in her pain. This is the reason why the cross is so amazing to me is because he came in his pain. And what I've noticed is that the world is so loud that his voice, it's always frustrated me for years. Why does the Lord speak in such a still, small voice? His spirit is so precious. Like, why? it's so hard for me. I have to work harder on my sermons than most of my friends. I have to spend more time in prayer than most of my friends just to hear an inkling from God. And like in the Old Testament, the Bible says that his voice wasn't in the earthquake or the fire or the wind, but it was in the whisper. So I was in my backyard one time saying, Lord, why do you speak so soft? You're God, you can crank up some decibels. (laughs) But I've learned through the years, the reason why he speaks in a whisper is because you have to be in close proximity to hear a whisper, which is where he wants you, but the prison keeps you away from that. And my family, uh, my, my family's loud, we're all Cajuns. But my daughter, Grace, uh, growing up, she was just real quiet, a whisper. So it'd be loud, 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 and we'd hear, it's like a mosquito got in the house. <laughs> but to hear her, you'd have to stop what you're doing to go to her. Grace, did you say something? Yeah, I just said, hey. Okay, well, hello. And then we're loud again. <laughs> this is the way it is with the Lord. Like, you have to stop. The world is so loud lying to you, telling you to go in this direction where the truth is pulling you in a different place and you're just creating, Romans 12, two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How do you get transformed? By the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good and then pleasing and then perfect will. So if you want to know the truth of anything in the Bible, go to the first time that it's mentioned. It's a, theologians call it the law of first order. The f- first time someone was lied to is in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve, they had it made. They were with God every day in the cool of the day. Uh, they, they, he was the most handsome man in the world. She was the most beautiful lady. No clothes, no in-laws. What? They had it made. But the Lord said to them, listen, I want you to check out the lie. The Lord said to them, said, look, this is good, uh, but we're together, and, but I don't want you to eat from that tree in the center of the garden. Because if you do, it'll hurt our relationship because it'll kill you. It wasn't a physical death, but a spiritual death. They were living in basically heaven. Not, it was earth, but it was like a portal of heaven on earth. And, and by the way, if, if Adam and Eve would have been Cajun, we'd have no problems because they would have never eaten an apple. They would have eaten a snake. Okay, I just want to kill, just clear that up. Thank you very much. God bless every single one. So, so listen, so Satan shows up and this is how he, he just builds the lies. He says, you won't surely die, will you? I think what'll happen is you'll be closer to God. So basically they thought at some point they bought the lie. 
It created a major prison. The lie they bought was, we can no longer get what we really need from God. We're gonna have to go out of bounds and get it on our own. So they went out of bounds to get it on their own. It's at that point that you have to ask the question, did the serpent tell them the truth? He said, if you eat from it, you'll be more like God. Did they become more like God or did they become more like the serpent? So the enemy, Satan, has always had the same goal in mind from then until now, and that is for you to not grow in your relationship with the Lord. So my question would have to be, are you at the peak of your relationship with the Lord right now? Like Paul said, you were running a really good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Truth, truth, prison of lies. He's the father of lies. This is how he runs tactic. So I, I think it's an important teaching, uh, but I wrote this sermon really for me. Uh, the, the church I grew up in was legalistic, uh, but I've run into some people here and there. When I went to Bible school and I was hired on staff at an incredible church, there was one person on staff that pulled me to the side one day and said this to me. My, my dad used to be an adulterer and he tells people his story now. He's saved and I'm so thankful my dad is a Christian now, uh, but he ran wild for years. So this person on staff pulled me to the side and said, uh, Rick, you're in Bible school now in ministry, youth pastor? That's kind of funny to me. And I said, why? He said, well, you know, your dad committed adultery. You do know that's in the DNA of people. And uh, it's just a matter of time before you do. And, uh, but the difference is your dad wasn't in ministry and you are, you're gonna hurt a lot of people if you do, you better be careful. So listen, I'm just gonna tell you so you don't judge me. I've been married 31 years and I have not committed adultery on Michelle. Okay, no, I'm not looking for applause. I just want you to get the point. But for five years, I was like, I'm gonna mess up a lot of people. Be careful what you do. I just built a prison. Instead of living in life, in the cool of the day with God, it was like, don't look at other people. Don't commit adultery. Don't look. Be careful. Watch out. Be careful. You're gonna fall. You're gonna hurt a lot of people. You're gonna, maybe today's the day. And then one day, I said, Lord, I'm sick of this. And then the Lord said to me, just fall in love with me and love your wife so much that you don't want anybody else. And I went from living in a prison of lies to the spirit of life. So three biblical principles, McKinney campus, those at 1230, let's learn together. My, my thoughts control my life. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is a woman, this is everybody. But what happens is we end up lighting the lies that we think. We like them. They become friends to us. Like if you're insecure, you walk in a room, you're like, oh, I'm just insecure. That's why I don't look at people in their eye. When people are laughing, I'm assuming they're all laughing at me. Okay, in my office, if you came to my office in Conway, Arkansas, it wouldn't take you long before you would notice there's this place where I store uh, chocolates, dove chocolate, that, that surrounds peanut butter. It's like, I think God made that stuff and sent it to my office. If you could ever taste it, it's like Reese's. How many like Reese's? It's like Reese's on steroids. This is so good. But here's the problem. I can't eat one. Because if I do, I'll eat 20 of them. So I have to avoid it. 
So then I started playing around with ideas. Well, why don't I just take one and leave and then eat it when I get in my truck? So I did that, Aid is like, well, it's good. So I got out of my truck and went and got another one. <laughs> this is how I play games. So I said, well, that didn't work. So then I thought, why don't I get my truck and drive a half mile down the road or so and then eat it? So I did that, drove down a half mile and then Aid is like, wow. That's good, so I turn around and <laughs> got enough. So, but if I go to a mile and then eat it, I don't turn around. So, you know, I've learned that uh, I'm thankful for me. But the question has to be this. Here's a better question. Why don't I just take them out of my office? Because I like looking at them. I just like looking at them. You know what I've noticed? We get comfortable in the prison that we live in. We like looking at it. Uh, years ago, I was a professional golfer, and man, I was so good looking back on my game and how I used to play. I was like, gosh, I was good. I remember being over the ball, and I, I knew how to hit every type of shot. But now I'm not good anymore, and so when I'm over the ball, I don't know where it's going, so I don't know where to aim. And this is the way that the prison is, like you no longer know truth, so you don't know where you're going, so you don't know where to aim. It's like you're going to heaven but not enjoying the trip, as I said earlier. Proverbs 4.23 says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Uh, when the Lord destroyed the earth, he did not destroy the earth because of the evil that was on the earth. If you read it, it actually says he destroyed the earth because of the evil in their thoughts. So what you think about matters. And then I've also noticed that the mind is a battleground for sin. Uh, so uh, in, in this room, uh, some of you, let's just say this week, you had an argument with someone and lost your temper. Let's say it was on Thursday at three o'clock. Or you could use something else. You could say that maybe you told a lie then. Or maybe you slept up and looked at pornography that day. So what happens is, is that uh, you're here at church you're trying to worship God, and then all of a sudden, the prison tries to lock you down. You see how you're trying to worship the Lord? You saw how you blew it Thursday. You're not even right with God. You shouldn't even be here. Back in the chains, back out of worship. The Bible calls that condemnation. Condemnation comes from the enemy, and it shows up to point out your weaknesses to leave you there to die. For the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and the spirit of God. He's also the spirit of comfort. He's like the anesthesiologist before the surgery. He shows up on the same scene where you blew it, but he doesn't leave you there to die. It's like, come on, this is a weakness, but come to the Father. We're going to make this strong. During worship, he was saying, I know you don't feel worthy, but you are worthy because he's worthy. He traded places with you. Worship him. This is how you grow. You don't have to hesitate. The prison of lies really is not worth worship, but his name is. So great news. Our thoughts can be reset. All right, here's what I've learned. When we just go on gut versus the word, you are not as intuitive as you think you are. Uh, I learned this. My, my, my marriage, 31 years, Michelle and I have had a great marriage except for our first year. And then about five or six years ago, we had a lot of tension in our marriage and I couldn't figure out what it was. So I, I assumed it was her. So, so I was like, how could it be me? And uh, so I remember uh, 
for a whole year, I would call friends. Y'all pray, Michelle just doesn't have the joy she normally does. And if you could meet my wife, she's just like anybody could be married to her. She's beautiful, she's smart. Life is about everyone beside her, besides her. And, uh, but that year, it's like, what happened? So one night, about a year after that, it was exactly a year after that, I said, Michelle, what's wrong with you? And she said, I find it interesting that you ask me that tonight. Because it was one year ago today that my mom died. And she said, Rick, I've been grieving. It hurt. I used to call my mom when I was having a great day and I would celebrate. If I was hurting, she would pray over me. She said this word that I, I, I still don't understand. Michelle says, I'm lonely. It's like, how did I think that it was her the whole time? It was me. So I know that some people are here right now and you, you kind of look at your life and it's like, man, do I, I, something's wrong with my spouse. I need a better spouse. I'll tell you what we need to be is more like Christ. Well, it's my boss. My boss is causing issues, driving me crazy. No, we don't need a better boss. We need to be more like Christ. It's a prison of lies that the enemy's trying to build inside of you. Can somebody say amen anywhere in this house? So how do I renew my thoughts? Number one, I must feed my mind truth. If you're having a lot of lies, you gotta have a lot of truth. The Bible doesn't say that the truth will set you free. Look it up, a lot of people quote that. Well, the Bible says the truth will set you free. No, the Bible doesn't say the truth will set you free. The Bible says to know the truth and then the truth will set you free. It's knowing the truth. I love, I love to read. I've always been an avid reader. I don't broadcast that much, but I just like to read. But every book that I've ever read, I read it, but the Bible reads me. I need to be read. You go to the Library of Congress and there's 530 miles of bookshelves, 29 million books, but there's only one there that is living and active. And it's a holy word. Two words for the word, word and the word. The word logos, written, and the word rhema, revealed. The word is not powerful when it's written, it's powerful when it's revealed, to know it. Number two, I must take my thoughts captive. Here's a quick assessment of some people in this room right now, sometimes me too. Uh, some of you are just really negative. Life is never gonna get any better. God doesn't love me. No one really cares about me. No one's praying for me. If I left this church, no one ever even know. It's like the, the, the enemy just moves around. And some of you might even think, man, if I had a new job, if I had a new family, if I had a new city, life would be so much better. But the problem is the prison goes with you. The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it and through the washing of the water of the word. And then some of you are fearful. I wish I could have spoke on this because it's my favorite topic to speak on. Uh, but fear, just want to talk to young people real quick. I know they're scattered out all around here. A lot of young people are just so loaded down with fear. Like, let's go to the college age. Like, you, you're going to college, but you choose a major that you hate because the one you're called to, you're too afraid to pick it. 
everybody in the room, the Lord will give you an idea, but you won't try a job that you could apply for, but you won't even apply because you, you don't think your resume is, is enough. I don't know why we're so led by our fear and, and, instead of led by faith. Ultimately, we're just basically led by our feelings. Someone who's led by their feelings is like someone on a sailboat, wherever the wind blows, that's where they're going. But someone who is led by faith is like with the captain, wherever he's going, that's where we're going. In my family, my dad used to have nightmares of my brother and I walking down the hallway with our arms and legs cut off, screaming his name. And then one day, uh, my dad just had enough of it and he called somebody and prayed with them and he started finding scripture and he was trying to grow in his relationship with the Lord. And so I had kids, everything's fine. But when my kids got a driver's license, everything changes when your kid has a driver's license. And I started thinking, man, so I would just have these fear, just, just whisper, they're not coming home. This is it, go say bye. So I'd run out to the garage, hey, bye. <laughs> and I was like, Wear your seatbelt, drive slow, text me. No, don't text me. <laughs> and then one day I realized, man, the enemy's trying to put me in a prison. I lose all of my joy. Some of you are critical. Wish I was married. Wish I wasn't married. Wish I was married to somebody different. Wish I had kids, wish I had different kids. <laughs> Music is too loud here, they didn't do my favorite song. Church is too cold, I hate this preacher, where's Jeff? <laughs> had a lady come up to me at our church, she saw me, not at the church, she saw me out and about, and she goes, wow, you look a lot fatter in person than you do on the screen. <laughs> and I was like, praise God, I'm so glad I'm your pastor. Okay. Let me just wrap this up, okay? That's funny right there, I don't care what you <laughs> she, she still comes to the church too. I see her all the time. A hummingbird and a vulture, every day they fly around looking for things. And all day long, they find what they're looking for. A hummingbird all day long flies around and looks for nectar, something sweet. And all day long, a hummingbird finds something sweet. A vulture all day long flies around looking for things that are dead. And all day long, a vulture finds things that are dead. What are you looking for? Let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Lies. One day Jesus died. The lies started permeating. They didn't hear the truth. He was gonna be alive and they were just depressed. They lived in a prison of lies. Some of them were walking on the road to Emmaus. As they were walking on that road, uh, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and they're walking on the road. Get a picture of this. They're walking on the road in a prison of lies and Jesus walked right up to them. He like tapped them on the back and said, hey, why are y'all so upset? And they turned around and literally said this. 
Sir, are you the only one in all of Israel that doesn't know what happened? And then the Bible says that they stayed in communion together, they stayed in conversation together, and then later on, when they were eating together, the Bible says their eyes were opened and they realized that it was Jesus there the whole time. That's my favorite part of getting out of prison. It's like, what? he was there the whole time. He's a good guy. Listen, the hand of God is on this church. And I'm asking for everybody to get out of the prison and let's serve Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is worthy to be praised in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. All right. Let's do this. Let's bow our heads all around this place. Lord, thank you for Milestone Church. Thank you for those at the McKinney campus and those at the 1230 service. But right now, Lord, we just want to have a moment with you. Forgive us, Lord, for believing the lies more than your truth. So sorry. But yet we're confident that you'll forgive us and give us another chance. We want to lift up our eyes and see you. So, Lord, those that are in a prison, we ask for them to be set free in Jesus' name. And we give you all the glory. Amen. Amen. Thanks a lot, Milestone Church. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.